0: Coming up on Novell Open Audio, an in-depth follow-up to our Novell Storage Manager interview with David Condry.
1: Welcome to Novell Open Audio, the podcast that connects the Novell user community with what's going on inside and around the Novell universe. I'm your host, Randy Goddard.
0: And I'm David Mayer.
1: Now, David, this is the second half of the interview that we did with David Condry with regards to Novell Storage Manager.
0: Yeah, and in this one, we get into a lot more depth, a lot more detail, including some real-world examples.
1: Yeah, for the gearheads, for the geeks like us who are interested in more of the in-depth piece of it, this is really the the part that they want to listen to.
0: Absolutely. Let's hear it. Joining us in the studio is David Condry, who's responsible for Novell's Storage Manager. David, welcome.
2: Thank you. So you brought us up to speed on what Storage Manager is conceptually. Right. Now you're on version 2.5, so obviously you've just made a bunch of changes. Right. What have you guys changed in 2.5? What are the new things that people who currently are running Storage Manager are going to see as a difference?
3: Right. Well, the first thing is when you look at the version number. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not 2.1. Yeah. It's not 1.1 1, 1 or anything. like. It's, it's jumping from 2.0 to 2.5. And it was really almost a 3.0-level product, but we have big plans for 3.0. Oh, excellent. Really, there's a completely new user interface for managing storage policies. That's one of the big hitters. We've done a lot, a lot of work there. The second thing, and we think this is going to be basically a boon, is the ability to manage an unlimited number of discrete pieces of storage per object. So instead of just one home directory per object or one group home directory per group, you can actually chain policies together. You can manage multiple discrete pieces of storage per object, each of those policies governing storage according to a specific purpose use the user paradigm some more. Uh, the home the home directory, the home folder for that user. Another policy that's chained to that one might hold HR based data. It may hold zen based application data that's relevant only to that user. It may hold archive based information that's relevant only to that user. Each of those policies have their own view of the world in terms of information lifecycle management and lifecycle for that piece of storage relative to that object.
0: Now, okay. We should say when we talk about pieces of storage, we're talking at the high level file yes. system elements. Yes.
3: And that's that's something that we really have a challenge with with our wording with our product. Because when you say storage to some people, if they're a nuts and bolts guy or gal, they're thinking LUNS, right? Yeah, okay. They're Physical thinking storage. Up, I'm carving up my, my uh sand into LUNS and I really don't care about operating systems that much. I certainly don't care about whether people are storing M P threes or videos or or sales presentations or whatever, but we do. Our policies actually allow you to govern what's in those storage infrastructures. So for us, we kind of deliver on what the layperson kind of thinks about storage, yeah. right? They don't really understand what a LUN is. They say, I need some storage for this project, or I need some storage to keep my stuff. And I need to trust that it's going to be there and backed up and managed for the life cycle of this project or my lifetime with this organization.
0: And I see an advantage there that the person managing the physical disks, they can do that in isolation from the end user environment where you're dealing with quotas right. and, and access.
3: That's a very astute observation, something I should have brought out earlier, because what we want to do is decouple the attributes of how the storage is used from the physical limitations that a piece of storage infrastructure may impose. We want to get the usage characteristics and control into the hands of the people that are very familiar with what the characteristics of that data may be.
2: Do you have limitations then on what file systems you can talk to and what operating systems?
3: So we have two deliveries of storage manager right now. We have one that is an e-directory based delivery. Uh, it sits in a classic uh, e-directory infrastructure. Of course, it talks to NetWare and You can manage storage on OES Linux and various number of file systems within that, including uh, EXT2, EXT3, RISER, anything that is connectable. Obviously, the uh, file system choices are pretty rich for uh, a traditional Novel customer these days. But also, we have a delivery in the Microsoft space as well. It sits on a box stock uh, Microsoft infrastructure and interfaces with uh, Active Directory in much the same way. Now, 2.5 release... We've made a decision. We're jumping ahead with our eDirectory release, and then we're pedaling as fast as we can to get feature parity with uh, the Microsoft side of things.
2: And and real quick, when you say Microsoft, do you mean that it's integrating directory with Active Directory as well as the operating system? That's exactly right.
3: Interfacing with the 2.5 releases uh, going against any Microsoft-based storage infrastructure, Windows 2003, 2008-based whatever.
2: We talked about kind of on the servers, what you can talk to. You seem you can hit NAS and SANS?
3: Yeah, there's, I mean, the the test matrix for that's still being worked through in preparation. It's huge, I'm sure. (laughs) Right. We consider that to be a vital market for us going forward. We're trying to deliver on the uh, making IT work as one mantra. We're trying to be an enabler for management, independent of uh, storage platform or uh, operating system infrastructure.
0: Do I need to install software on all my servers in order to use Novell Storage Manager?
3: It depends on the level of control that you want. Basically, you can get away with one server in an environment. You have an eDirectory component or directory services component. In an eDirectory, basically, we need to know about events. We need to know about when users are created, when they're renamed, when they're moved, when they're deleted, etc. We need to have uh, beyond a replica server that has coverage or be able to at least point to one using LDAP. We have two methods of directory services integration, probably a little deeper than we want to go here, but one is actually... Not for us. (laughs) Okay, all right. Well, one is LDAP-based event monitoring that allows you to reside on the local box with the replica or in a remote scenario. Or in the case of NetWare, we actually hook into DS Um, on on a live basis. So as soon as events occur, we're notified of those and we take action based on those events. Our event construct contains a global event consolidation subsystem so that you can have cross-replica coverage without worrying about events being tempted to be acted on more than one time.
0: So what about pricing then? Does that scale with the number of platforms I'm managing, number of hosts I'm managing, or the number of boxes I
3: buy? No, it's uh, user-based. So what's really cool, I believe, is that if you buy a seat of storage management for a user, you get a seat of storage management for a user from Novell. It doesn't matter if they have storage on 30 servers, in an directory infrastructure, in a Microsoft infrastructure, or both. If you buy a seat of storage management from Novell, we've got your back no matter which storage infrastructure or directory services infrastructure you include.
0: So if we go back to that education model, if I'm a student at a university, I'm taking part in tens of classes in multiple buildings, different IT infrastructure in each one of those buildings, different teachers, and one, one seat, seat as one far as uh, yep. Novell Storage Management is Yeah, it's a good concerned. deal. Great. <laughs>
2: You mentioned earlier integration with other Novell products. As soon as you start to describe this stuff, the first thing that pops into my mind is Identity Manager. Absolutely. And I just see how I can see the whole thing tied together. Is there some sort of integration or anything going Absolutely.
3: on there? Absolutely. You know, I just started touching on some of the new features. I got kind of wrapped up there in the, <laughs> in, in the auxiliary storage. From day one, we've been two peas in a pod with IDM, to use a euphemism, but we are really event-based. We don't really care what precipitates a particular event, like creating a user or renaming a user or deleting a group or adding a member to a group. It could be anything from someone typing stuff into console one, an LDF file, or an identity manager driver. It is a natural layered technology on top of an IDM infrastructure to manage storage along the lifecycle based on the actions that are driven through IDM. It's just another component, everything from zero-day start to zero-day stop and all points in between.
2: You've hit on several things in 2.5. I heard you talk about the auxiliary storage. We talked earlier about the collaborative storage, about being able to do these groups and uh, people on a shared team or something, having shared storage. That's awesome. You talked about the integration with Identity Manager. What else is new in uh,
3: 2.5? There's something that we've kind of been sitting on for a while. It's called the Action Object Interface. What that is, is it's really a license to ride for anyone that wants to do anything with storage. And when I say anyone, I mean anyone that has some need, but maybe they're not cognizant of all the trials and tribulations of dealing with a storage infrastructure across these platforms. Storage Manager is built on a state machine architecture. So once you have an event that's put on the queue for action, like creating a user, it's not just one operation, it's a set. It's a set of things that guy used to do by hand. Waiting an appropriate amount of time between operations is, as, as you may recall, if you ever took a like a 425 course back in the mid 90s, you have to wait an appropriate amount of time. You've got everything from DS synchronization latency to uh, maybe that server is down or the router's dead or maybe the volume's dismounted. I don't know. It can be a lot of things that get in the way of automating these type of processes. So that allows us to. Really be able to deal with that because we're in a state machine architecture where we move between states for any one particular macro operation like creating a user. It's actually a 12-step process. You really have to wait on the user to show up. You have to determine where to put it. You have to create the folder. You have to set the rights. You have to set the flag. You have to put the quote on. And I could go on and on. Now, imagine moving a user. So we're trying to move a user storage from location A to location B. That's like a 22-step process. But one of the good things about the state architecture is you can be assured when that event goes on there that it will run to completion, even if it has to wait on that router to come back up or that volume to be remounted or that data connection to be reestablished. That gives us a lot of power in terms of managing things along a policy infrastructure line. But there may be things that you want to do outside of the construct of management according to policy, and we want to enable people to do that. So we have this interface called an action object interface that allows people to drive storage manager to do anything that your heart can dream up having interfaces into subsystems like storage managers, nothing new, but the way that we went about doing this, we believe is somewhat unique. So if you look at an IDM driver developer or someone sitting out there dealing with LDAP or something like that, they don't really know how to program all of them against the file system. And we don't really want them to wonder where we are as a subsystem, like, and have to talk to us. and. What we did was we decided to use eDirectory itself as a programming interface. Now stick with me here. What we did was we created a new class of object called an action object that this action object interface is driven by. Imagine a class called an action that has attributes just like any other object in the directory, but, you know, one of those attributes is operation. Let's say you want to copy this directory structure from server 65 in Maryland, to server 347 in Istanbul. You don't know how to do that, especially if you're a hardcore IDM developer, you know how to interface with eDirectory. So what you do is you create one of these objects and you set copy dir as your operation attribute, path one, server 65 in Maryland, (laughs) path two, server in Istanbul, then You set the trigger for when you want that operation to occur. You set your attributes, operational attributes, for determining override options and things like that. And you create the object in the directory. We see that object creation. We see that the person that created that has the rights to actually do that copy. We know when that thing's supposed to fire off, and we put it on our queue. And at that time, that directory's copied from that place to that place
0: is there a fixed set of operations there copy move etc yeah, can i do anything i want yeah all the things
3: all of the primitives that have to do anything to do with a file system creating a directory setting rights setting flags deleting files deleting directories rename all of the primitives for dealing with a file system and the various options that each of those operations may need to deal with. Obviously, with a copy, you have to deal with overwrite, but with delete, you have to say, well, if I'm deleting a folder, do I want to delete the entire tree, subtree? You can craft your own set of operations by chaining these objects together. If things have to go off in a certain order, then you just create them, and there's a chaining construct within the objects themselves that allow you to chain those objects together, and they will go off in that order, and they will happen.
0: Back to your Maryland to Istanbul example, two actions is a simple example. Make the directory in Istanbul, which is followed by a copy action, and they're dependent in the order action can't start before, right. a copy can't start before, make those complete.
3: Right. Don't forget to put some rights on those. Very
0: good point. I hadn't even thought of it.
3: <laughs> right. And maybe a quota, too. So
0: it's like shell scripts in DS.
3: Yes.
1: Maybe to bring it to sort of a, a real-world type example, maybe going back to the educational scenario we had before, you've got this action object of new high school student, a new sophomore, who is taking class A, B, and C. Because of this action object that's been created, we could associate that with a new user, for example, that's coming in this next year and say, okay, because this new user is coming in, let's create them an account, if they didn't already have one, let's create this account and let's give them X amount of space with X amount of rights. Not only that, but then because they're taking classes A, B, and C, copy folders from server X, server Z and copy those over into their home directory yes. and it's all based on this this event of
3: creating this user right and what you just described is really a, a synthesis of the policy construct because everything you described there at the at the beginning is kind of the out-of-the- box stuff you just create a policy right. and say these this is what I want to happen when a new student comes in but then you can expand upon that and augment operational effectiveness of NSM in general by uh, instantiating these action objects interfaces. through What would be an system. example? Well, I can give you a, a real-world example. We have a bank who had a situation where uh, they have many branches. They wanted a, a way of provisioning Zen-based uh, applications when a user moved between branches. Maybe someone called in sick over here on Oak Street. And that user is, is usually working over on Elm across town. When that user walks in over there, they need their applications. Just by doing that, what we can do, what they did do, was create an action object to not only provision those applications over in that branch on uh, Oak Street, I believe I said, they could do it in such a way that the applications were delivered from a central server. When they give that user to that branch, the process is augmented by delivering applications for that user in that branch.
0: So you could create complex templates, in effect. Where I go, what I do, a template of the environment is laid down for me. Yeah, that's right. Big question I got is, what do I do when I get hundreds of thousands of action objects just littering my directory?
3: So the thing is, it cleans them up automatically. That unless Yeah, unless uh, you indicate through one of the attributes on the object that you, as the driver or the instantiator, are going to clean them up yourself. That's really nice. Well, thanks. We think so. It's been around for quite a while, but it's a big gun. And I
0: understand we're not the only people who are impressed by it.
3: No. We've talked with customers about this, but we've really started to get into the flow of telling analysts about this a little bit, and we haven't really done a good job of that in, in years past. We probably want to talk about that a little bit, but it's really a, a powerful, powerful option for people out there, and a lot of people put this together pretty quickly, but I'll go ahead and mention it. It gives you an interface into the file system from MailDAP. Because from LDAP, as long as I can create an object, which is really good at that, then I can drive file system operations.
0: And you think about that: file systems are local; directory is global. Yes, that's just that's just fabulous capability.
3: Oh, thanks. We think so too. We we've kind of been sitting on this for a while. We weren't sure quite how to release it, but I just made the decision that we're gonna we're gonna go with it. And you know, it's a big gun. It's powerful. People just need to be cognizant of what they're doing because if you tell it to do something, you know what it's going to do. It's going to do it. It's you not know. going to wait for you to say <laughs> how high. It's yeah, just going right, to go on down. Right. It. So if you say, copy this data from over here and delete this over here, it's going to do it.
0: I'm always skeptical of analyst quotes, but having heard this, I got to have you say, what IDC has said about this.
3: Yeah, so that's a that's an interesting story. We uh, just finished the first set of meetings with, with IDC. They've been really awesome to work with. The paper's out on the website if you want to read it in its entirety, but one of the um, quotes from it is, the world must know about this technology. That's which
0: the way I feel right now. <laughs>
3: yeah, well, you, you can't buy that kind of advertising, and it was <laughs> really quite remarkable that our relationship with IDC for Storage Manager was all created out of happenstance. I'll go ahead and tell the story. I was down at uh, Storage World in Orlando. I was actually there with a uh, hardware partner of Novell's, and we were kind of going through some of their offerings, and I, I noticed that uh, IDC was doing a, a session on file system management. So I went over, and I, I left my jacket with my business cards and everything over there and you know, in the other part of the conference center, but I just kind of snuck out. I said, oh, I want to see what IDC has to say. So we got to this part of the presentation where she talked about futures. Noemi Graysdorf was the analyst doing the presentation there. And she said, we think that the future is a policy engine that sits on the network or in the network itself that governs uh, placement and management of a file system throughout the life cycle of the user that uses or, it. Or that.
0: You must have had a hard time sitting and, still.
3: <laughs> and there's more to it than that. But she said, you know, we think this is the future. But nobody's there yet. I hope you raised your hand at that point. Well, I did not because I'd left all my business cards in my jacket over in the other part of the conference center. This was my first time at that conference, so I was just there was kind of a fly on the wall. But I ran back, got my business cards, and I thought I'd speak with her afterwards. She was already gone by the time I got back, but I ran into her, and we were walking along, and I said, well, I'd like to just tell you a little bit about, I enjoyed your, your presentation. I'd like to tell you a little bit more about, a little bit about Storage Manager and what it does. Well, we're walking along, and she stops, and she says, is this in the marketplace? I said, yeah, it's in the marketplace. You know, we have many, 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 many customers managing millions of users out there in the world.
0: best kept secret. Yeah,
3: Yeah. and she said, well, I'd really like to know more about this. I personally hadn't dealt with analysts a lot, so I'm quite, quite a neophyte in dealing with analysts. So she contacted us later. And this was all out of band of analyst relations, you know. Uh, although analyst relations came in at the end and really, really helped us a lot.
0: An analyst relations that's a Novell? At, at group. Novell.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. They have, uh, you know, different uh, analyst relations person personnel have responsibility for different analyst organizations, Burton, IDC, etc. We went in there thinking, okay, we'll just do a, a presentation and just maybe they'll mention us in some of their research or, or something. We were scheduled for an hour. We went almost two. They uh, called back, asked for a two-hour deep dive. <laughs> My understanding is you typically get an hour with an analyst. We did a two-hour deep dive. Uh, she talked some about a disaster recovery and how we play in a disaster recovery scenario. Right. And it really occurred to me I hadn't really thought about disaster recovery that much, believe it or not. That's something that the backup people worry about, yeah. right? <laughs> As we talked, it became more and more apparent that disaster recovery is not only something that people should worry about, but something that we could address if we just made a change here and there. We could really augment a backup system and be able to tell a, an administrator where a user storage was at any point in time along a historical timeline. Oh yeah. We said, well, two fives getting ready to go. But this is good stuff. They invited us back, back to Framingham again, for another two hours. After that, and talked about our DR process and a scenario where we can actually track storage location information across a timeline and present that to an administrator that's in a disaster scenario. To me, a disaster scenario was always a global. What I refer to as a global disaster scenario. We've just lost the data center. We've just lost this volume. Our our sans tanked out. Sure. But there are other disasters. One, Another disaster is what I refer to as a personal disaster. That's the one where the uh, division vice president has lost some files. She wants them back and not next gotta, week.
0: Got to have that PowerPoint for the next week. Right.
3: And, and, you know, you put yourself back in the mind of the prospect, the administrator, and the question you ask, well, when's the last time you saw those files? Well, I know they were there last April. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, in the meantime, we've gone through restructuring and a migration effort, and things are uh, load balanced across, and also that vice president has moved from Denver to L.A. Well, the storage manager is managing all that storage, and our catalog, the one that keeps track of that state machine architecture, what step we are along the way in each of those, if we keep track of that and we manage it, then all we have to do is expand the scope of our catalog to keep historical information. We went back and presented that. They liked it, of course. But we're just kind of, kind of in the middle with, with them. We, we really are grateful for the direction they've given us, everything from kind of looking over things to a go-to-market strategy. I think that we are delivering on that future vision she was talking about in that conference room in Orlando.
0: So rather than getting just the one hour to impress an analyst, you've it six hours so yeah, far think, at least, I, and we are not even finished yet.
3: Yeah, we're, we're not, and they ended up producing a paper on the product. Uh, it's a technology paper. And again, you can download that off the Storage Manager website.
1: So is this disaster recovery technology something we are announcing to be able to see in 2.5, or maybe something in a future release?
3: No, we decided to roll. go ahead and roll it, and so we rolled it in 2.5 and it's in the product that's out there uh, available for our customers today. One of the key points in being in business today is being sensitive to and addressing the economic climate. If you look at a lot of our messaging, and it should be straightforward, but, you know, we pointed out nonetheless is that the ability to deliver ROI and automate tasks and get known quantities. If you look at the IDC paper, for example, you'll see where a customer went from it cost them $5 to adequately provision storage for the user, and then I think it was $2 per operation that they did on that storage throughout the lifecycle of that user. They got the total cost down to $1, okay? If you can realize those kinds of savings, then it's not only prudent but imperative that you implement solutions like this in order to meet budget constraints and the bottom line requirements that you know organizations have on them today more than ever. Great. Well,
2: David Condry, thanks a lot for sitting down and bringing us up to speed on yeah, Storage Manager 2.5 today. Yeah, yeah great thanks. talking to you.
3: All right. Thank you.
1: What a great interview, and David really gave us some good examples of of real-world scenarios in which Novell Storage Manager would fit.
0: Well, that's really what it's all about. If you can't deploy this for real-world situations, it just doesn't mean anything, and it's great that we have some examples of where this is in place and doing the job. Exactly.
1: Well, thanks for listening. That does it for this time. Remember that Novell Open Audio is brought to you by Novell Users International, as well as Novell Incorporated. Most of our content is directed by our listener community. So please send us your feedback by email at openaudio at novell.com or by leaving comments on our website at novell.com openaudio. That's it for this time. Have a good one.